Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are in week 10 of the NFL season. Week 10 of the NFL season. I can't believe it. Time flies as we head into the month of November. We're going into Thanksgiving, the holidays, the winter season. So I hope you guys are staying warm, staying safe, wearing your masks, washing your hands, but uh, amidst everything, here we are in the NFC West, and here's where we're at right now. First place, you have the Seahawks remaining there at 6-2, and two, uh, but they're coming off a pretty tough loss as well. Um, you know, at Buffalo, I had them going to Buffalo, taking care of business in a potential shootout, and well, it was a shootout, but... It was just a really interesting game in the sense where Buffalo took the game 44-34. to It was a game where the Seahawks sacked Josh Allen seven times, but got no turnovers off of that. If anything, it was the Seahawks that had some ugh, untimely turnovers, a couple in the end zone, a couple of errors by Russell Wilson. But as much as I'd like to put on Russell Wilson, like I mentioned before, 44 points allowed, and that's just, you can't win football games that way. I mean, the, the offense put 34 points, but they allowed 44, so they fell to 6-2. and two. Um, Second place, you have the Cardinals, and that's another nail-biter as well. Another shootout, it was a really fun game to watch. Uh, just seeing some of the premier young quarterbacks in the league. Kyler Murray, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, um, went at it and I thought that the Cardinals especially how they've been playing that their offense would be able to execute better and um, take advantage of a very green Tua but Tua I mean, he balled out uh, in in moments where they needed him uh, he delivered he had the game-winning drive for the game-winning field goal and Kyler Murray drove his team down the field in the in the same capacity, but the only difference is Zane Gonzalez missed his kick. So 34 to 31. I thought I was going to go to overtime to make things real interesting. Um, and kind of going back to the Seahawks, I mean, it was a very strong effort by Kyler Murray. He accounted for four touchdowns, a couple through the air, a couple running. But once again, you can't win football games that way, especially if you're going to give up 34 points. So they lose 34-31. to 31. Um, Yeah, this pass rush has been struggling, secondary. Uh, um, but they need to be better. They need to be better. So they, they fall to 5-3. and three. Still second place. The Rams remain at 5-3. and three. Uh, They are coming off a bye week. And so they've had some time to get their guys healthy. Uh, for this upcoming week, Jordan Fuller, uh, Ashid Robinson, defensive tackle, he should be back. A couple of their, their guys should be back on the defensive side. And so we can get to, into that pretty soon. Uh, and then last but not least, you have the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, I mentioned that on, on my previous pod going into the week, but a uh, really tough card that they were dealt with. Uh, COVID-19 and injuries have, well, they derailed them against the Packers. So they lost 34-17 to to the Packers. But this time around... You get Kendrick Bourne back. You get Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams. But unfortunately, Richard Sherman, um, Raheem Mostert, they ever made, uh, Debo Samuel, they ever made out this game. 
So that's what we have for the landscape of the NFC West and what had happened in week nine. Uh, so let's go ahead and fast forward and look at the matchups at hand in the NFC West. Week 10, we out here. And when we look at these matchups, it's pretty much they're all on Pacific Standard Time, but all one o'clock games. Okay. So let's go ahead and go first with the first game at hand at one o'clock. You have the Buffalo Bills at seven and two coming off a very convincing win against the Seahawks. They are going to look to go 3-0 in the NFC West against the Arizona Cardinals, who are now 5-3. The line is currently Cardinals favored by three in a very high, high-scoring sort of game where Vegas has them over under 56.5. And, and why is it so high? Well, if you saw what happened for Buffalo and Seattle, if you saw what happened for Arizona and Miami... Uh, both these teams were in shootouts. Both these teams allowed 30-plus points. And so what do you think is going to happen this time around? Um, this Buffalo Bills defense, well, uh, they have a pretty good, you know, I thought going into the season they had a pretty good front seven, but, you know, their secondary has been struggling, to say the least, outside of Tredavious White. And same thing goes for the Cardinals. Chandler Jones, he's he's out for the season. Patrick Peterson, he has he's been kind of on and off. He's had some injuries as well. Byron Murphy's coming back from injury. Uh, Dre Fitzpatrick, he's been dealing with an injury as well. So it's just been a really inconsistent group for both teams. And uh, you know whether it's been Josh Allen with the Bills or Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, but they've been putting it on their quarterbacks to make plays. Whether it's been with their arm, their their legs, but. Uh, the interesting thing about about this matchup is uh, I find this a really fascinating matchup just to see how these, you know, progressive quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks with strong arms, how they do in this matchup. And the cool thing is each quarterback has their own specific go-to receiver that, honestly, right now, both of them are ranked top five in the league in receiving yards. You have, on one hand, you have Stefan Diggs with the Bills. He was... They acquired him via trade with a first-round pick from the Vikings. He's been excellent. He's been excellent for them. And so that's going to be a really key matchup at hand, whether, I don't know, Patrick Peterson, Byron Murphy, whoever gets the nod to take him on the matchup. And then on the other hand, you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins with the Cardinals. And he's likely going to match up against Tredavious White. Um, So with that being said, you know, those top corners are going to go against those top receivers. And I think that um, the Cardinals should have the advantage at hand with what they have for their number two receiver. And I'm talking about Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M. The last couple of weeks, he's been he's been on a tear. He actually, for the season, he has six touchdowns already. Um, and I think that against this Bills secondary, uh, outside of Tredavious White, he should have some moments to make some plays okay continuing forward when the cardinals have the football i'd like to see them have a decent run game uh last week against the dolphins chase edmonds got the start Kenyon drink is out he didn't do so much against the run game this time around Kenyon drake he's been kind of practicing this week so you might see a committee uh what chase edmund what he brings to this run game is his explosiveness running outside um 
you know, for those outside explosive sort of runs, putting him in space. And he's done that, you know, when he's been in a limited capacity, uh, he's done a very good job with that. But you saw against the Dolphins that he struggled to run on the short yardage situations um, right against the tackles, right between the tackles. And that's something that they missed with Kenyon Drake. Hopefully they get Kenyon Drake for those situations, but I think all in all, uh, you should see a bit of a split if Drake is healthy. I think that they would like to keep Drake as the full-time back if he's fully healthy, but as of now, that's something that I'm going to be really intrigued to see how the run game goes, because conversely, you know, when the Bills have the football, their run game, it's been, well, it's been mostly Josh Allen, to be quite honest. Outside of that, they have... Uh, a dual running back situation with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And technically, Devin Singletary is the primary back, but lately Moss has been getting a lot of the, the goal line carries. But uh, they don't really run the football as well as they do passing. Kind of in that similar capacity to the Cardinals, which is why this is such an interesting matchup. Honestly, both these quarterbacks and what they provide to the run game is a big part of their, their rushing stats. It's a big part of their, their whole overall makeup in terms of their offensive identity. And it runs through the quarterback. Um, that's why you see the passing game go accordingly. And that's why you see all these explosive plays because it stems from their quarterback play. Now, when the Bills have the football and the Cardinals are on the defense, like I mentioned before, and this is something that's kind of, kind of stem going to, to the Seattle game that we're going to talk about. But Defensively, I mean, what are they going to do to make a stop? What are they going to do to contain Josh Allen? Okay, Josh Allen, for the most part, just look what he did against Seattle. I mean, um, he was sacked seven times, but he still made several big-time plays. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. I mean, they have plenty of playmakers that complement each other very, very well. And, you know, Josh Allen as a runner, uh, he's a different sort of runner in comparison to Kyler Murray. But, uh, yeah, he is kind of a running back in his own sort of mold, okay? So what are the Cardinals going to do? Are they going to set the edge? How are they going to contain him? How are they going to give him a pass rush, okay? Because outside of Chandler Jones, it's been a struggle. They traded for Marcus Golden. Uh, He played, like, what, 50 55% of the snaps last week. It's encouraging. He should be better this time around. And then you've seen some shades of Hassan Riddick. But, you know, overall, uh, they've been lacking. They've been lacking. And it goes back to their secondary play as well. Their secondary play has been lacking all season. Byron Murphy, he's coming back. He should be healthy and ready to go. And if he can step into that number two cornerback role, as I think he should, I mean, that would do, that would, that would pay dividends to this defense. That really would. That really would. Uh, another thing to note, Jordan Phillips on that defense, defensive tackle. He's a former Buffalo Bill who signed with the Cardinals via free agency. It would be nice to see him make a play or two against his former team. So, I mean, all in all, I think it's going to be a shootout in the same capacity as it was against the Seahawks. Uh, go ahead and give me... Hmm, I think this time around, considering how close it was against the Dolphins, I think that they should be able to clean up a couple things, especially if they get their secondary back on track. Their secondary, outside of Buda Baker, their safety, they need someone else in their secondary to step up. Patrick Peterson's been okay. Byron Murphy, like I mentioned before, I hope he, he does step up. Um, but I, I, I need someone outside of Buda Baker to make a play. 
make a play against Josh Allen. Maybe that happens. I'm optimistic. So go ahead and give me the Cardinals 31. Give me the Bills 27. 31-27 Cardinals. Let's go. Progressing towards later end of the afternoon, like half an hour later, but uh, we have two 125 p.m. Pacific Standard Time games, and let's go ahead and talk about the Niners, okay? I don't know why the schedule always comes this way, but the Niners, they're going back to the Big Easy. They're playing at the Dome. Um, Niners, four and five at New Orleans, who are six and two, coming off a very convincing win against the Tampa Bay Bucks, in which they pretty much shut them out. Uh, now they've beaten the Bucks two times, two and zero in the division. Holla, Tom Brady, and this is a game where you have you have the Saints favored by nine points, over under forty nine and a half. Uh, you have a game in which you know, um, yeah, the Niners remain under man. No Richard Sherman, no Debo Samuel, no Raheem Mostert. Uh, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Nick Mullins is going to be under center for for this game as well. And it's an interesting thing to note for this game because from what I understand, this will be the first time that the Niners are playing a game with a live crowd. It's not going to be the full crowd that you usually get at the Big Dome, but uh, you're going to have several thousand fans at the game attending. And whether, you know, I know that they're on the road, but I'm sure they can appreciate hearing some real fans uh, at a football game. It's just, you know, playing... COVID-19 without any fans, it doesn't do it justice to, to have that all in the fold. So that happens. Nick Mullins gets the start. Uh, kind of interesting to note when he was at Southern Miss, his last big bowl game uh, was at New Orleans at the Big Dome. So pretty cool. Uh, so he returns back there. And let's just see how it goes this time around because this is a really hot New Orleans Saints team in which, you know, you have Drew Brees, you have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, former Niner Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, this team, when you look at the team ranks, they are kind of similar in the Rams where they are top 10 in pretty much all phases of the football. They have a top 10 defense, a top 10 offense, a top 10 special teams unit. And so... You know, this is something that the Niners strive to do. They want to play complimentary football. They want to run the football. They want to do defense, you know, special things. They want to do that all well. And this is what the Saints are doing right now, just because I won't say Garoppolo Mullins is to Drew Brees, but, you know, Drew Brees isn't like a Patrick Mahomes. He's not, he doesn't have a big arm by any stretch of the imagination. But instead, he uses his experience, he uses his savviness to get the ball where it needs to be. A very quick release, um, does very well throwing over the middle. And, you know, it's good to have an MVP candidate in Alvin Kamara. He's a running back, but more more so than anything, he's an offensive weapon in which you just dump off the ball to Kamara on key third downs. And usually he breaks a tackle or two. To move the chains, I think for New Orleans, I don't don't quote me on this, but they're right up there for a third down conversion. I think they're like at 53 percent conversion rate, but they do a very good job of moving the chains and you know really going back to playing complimentary football, moving the chains, running the football, getting timely first downs, which will lead to touchdowns, which will lead to touchdowns. So I mean, when 
the Saints have the football and the Niners on on the defense. We've been stressing this all year long, but you know, getting a pass rush would be nice against an immobile quarterback like Drew Brees. Uh, the Saints have a good offensive line, don't get me wrong, but I would like to see some some wiggle. Defensive coordinator Robert Sala, I would like to see him mix a couple things up, whether, I don't know, he does a, an occasional defensive back blitz or he mixes up the coverages, but this is this team isn't what it was to last year where they don't have stalwarts like Nick Bosa and Sherman right now. So they're going to have to take a couple chances, and it doesn't make it any easier. Jaquaski Tart, he's out for the year with turf toe. Uh, you're going to have, uh, I mean, yeah, they're going to have to figure out a, a couple things on their end. I think that more importantly, though, uh, sideline to sideline, and they can certainly do it with their linebackers crew, but you know, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they need to do a good job from sideline to sideline of containing what you see, especially with Kamara out the backfield as a pass catcher. Another thing to note, former Niner Quan Alexander was traded to the Saints a couple weeks ago for a fifth rounder, and so he is slated to play against his former team. Quan Alexander, Emmanuel Sanders, I'm sure they would love to have a good game against the, against the Niners. Uh, another thing to note about the Saints offense is... You know, between Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, all these guys can do really good things in the middle of the field. And so, mentioned before, Tart is out for the year. So likely it's going to be either Marcel Harris, Tavares Moore, Jonathan Siperian as the strong safety to complement Jimmy Ward a free safety. But talking about the middle of the field, I'm sure that matchup is penciled for the for the Saints. What are they going to do down the field? Are they going to challenge? You already saw last week against the Packers in which uh, Devontae Adams had a double move on Marcel Harris in, in coverage and burned his ass for, for the touchdown. So that's going to be a point of emphasis this time around as well. How is the secondary going to do? Um, are they going to mix it up too? Uh, maybe they put Jason Verrett as the boundary cornerback. Uh, you're going to have Mosley, but... Nonetheless, the secondary, it's been taking a beating the last couple weeks. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see how that adjustment goes. Conversely, so when the Niners have the football, um, you know, it's no it's no secret that the Saints can put up points. You saw that last week against the Bucks. Uh, so what can the Niners do at hand under Kyle Shanahan? He doesn't have Garoppolo. He doesn't have Kittle. He doesn't have his usual set of toys. In fact, he doesn't even have Emmanuel Sanders. So what is he going to do considering the circumstances? I think that Kyle Shanahan, well, he's a little bit more optimistic this week than last week. He has Brendan Ayuk. He has Kendrick Bourne. He's going to have Jordan Reed. He's going to have these guys back to hopefully make some plays. Uh, but I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do against this New Orleans Saints defense because their front four, their defensive line, Trey Hendrickson, I think he has seven sacks for the year. You have Cameron Jordan. They have some really tough, tough defensive linemen that can really rush the passer. And that doesn't bode well for Nick Mullins. Um, But I hope that this offensive line can get it together. Notably, the interior, you're going to have... So I think Brent Skill becomes the center right now. It's going to be Tom Compton, 
likely going to be the guard. But yeah, I think it could be uh, could be a lot of trouble if they're not careful about it. I think for this matchup, very similar to what happened last year when they faced off each other. But if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I need to open the playbook. I need to diversify and get some big plays. Um, whether it's going to be putting Brandon Ayuk in those Debo Samuel sort of roles as, as, as a runner, whether it's putting Jordan Reed in the slots as an F receiver, um, whether it's you know getting hasty, uh, really involved this time around um, in, in the screen game. But you know I, I need to see something anew because the last couple of weeks, while they've been doing okay, um, you know, in terms of putting in points, it's typically been when the, the game is over. Uh, they need to, well, they need to execute. They need to have a nearly flawless game in regards to no turnovers, executing, moving the chains. And going back to complimentary football, they need to run the ball well enough where you don't put as much pressure on Nick Mullins. But at the same time, too, you need to go mono e mono with the Saints. Is that possible? I mean, looking at the last couple of weeks, yeah, uh, a lot of uncertainty, but it's certainly possible for the Niners, but they can't allow these freaking turnovers. They can't allow all these sacks, okay? Uh, this offensive line needs to be better. This interior line needs to be better, and they need to play good football. They need to play sound football if they're going to have any chance of defeating the New Orleans Saints. So all in all, you know, based off my tone, it seems like they have to really play their best game but at the same time too they should at this point when you look at the roster they need to play a1 football because they don't have the talent anymore to really give themselves some wiggle will that happen i'm not too sure which is why i'm saying the saints do prevail 30 to 21 30 to 21 saints the saints will eventually uh, find ways to get the ball in kamara and michael thomas's hand and Make a couple notable plays against Nick Mullins. Uh, should be interesting. Uh, I hope this isn't the case, but go ahead and give me the Saints 30 to 21 for the win, for the win, for the win. Last but not least, same time frame. Makes you wonder uh, which game to check out because this should be a really good game too. 125, you have the Seahawks who are 6 and 2 at the Rams, 5 and 3. Rams are coming off a bye. They're well-rested. Uh, they get Kyle Fuller back. They get Ashley Robinson back. Uh, so they are healthier on that side of the football. And the Seahawks are coming off a game in which, yeah, they lost to the Bills, and now they have a divisional game. This is a very important game in the division because the Rams are only one game behind them right now. And when you look between the coaching matchup, Pete Carroll with the Seahawks, Sean McVay with the Rams. McVay has had Carroll's number, if people forget, because uh, McVay has only, you know, he's only been with the team for a couple of seasons. And so division-wise, uh, McVay has a 4-2 and two record against Pete Carroll. The last couple of games have been, I, I kid you not, I, I think that they've been convincing wins. i got to double-check. But... The Rams have done a very good job against the Seahawks team, so don't get it twisted. And they're at home, and they're well-rested, and so you have the Rams favored by 2.5, over under 54.5, another high-scoring affair, presumably by Vegas. And I get it. I get it, because you know what? 
So one thing the Seahawks can do is they can put up points. You know, I think every game they've had, they've scored like 30-plus points. But in that same frame, they've allowed 30-plus points because their defense has, has not been good. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because their run defense is like top 10 when I saw on run defense to VOA, but their secondary allows their like the fourth most yardages uh, in the league. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So when the Seahawks have the football, actually, you know, Seahawks and the Rams, the number one thing I look about this is just uh, the quality of receivers that they have. So Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, you guys know them, obviously. They're up to this point, including fantasy football, but they're like top 10 receivers. Top 10 receivers, DK Metcalf is coming off a stellar game against the Bills. And Tyler Lockett, not so much, but it's kind of like one of those 1A, 1B situations because they offer a different skill set and variety to their games. DK Metcalf being that um, go-to bigger outside receiver. And then you have Tyler Lockett, one of the better route runners, uh, one of the better receivers in the game. Um, Getting in between the defenses and zone coverages, one of the better slot receivers in the game. And so... When you look at this, uh, awesome matchup because on the other side of the field, you have a really good compliment in their own right with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Robert Woods is kind of, I won't say he's like Debo Samuel, but big bodied, runs crisp routes, um, just a good possession receiver. And the reason why I say this whole Debo Samuel ordeal is because I think he's I think he's rushed the ball like 18 times this year. Here. So, I mean, uh, they like to have the ball in his hands, and he can certainly move the chains, okay? If if anything, I think Robert Woods is one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. And then, conversely, mentioned all these good things about Tyler Lockett, but Cooper Cup, uh, while he's not as fast or, you know, fast twitch as Tyler Lockett, uh, Cooper Cup is, if not the best, he's right up there in terms of route running. A sure-handed receiver on most days, great route runner and that should provide a lot of challenges this is for this seattle secondary so when you look at that uh yeah that's really cool that's really good for fantasy football right now because both these defenses have allowed some big plays this year certainly for the seahawks so when the seahawks have the football another thing that i'm kind of noting as well is their offensive line okay so their offensive line this year it's been it's been good They've been pretty solid this year. In fact, this is probably the best they've ever been um, in quite some time in terms of pass protection, you know, run blocking and all that good stuff. But the one thing that does note specifically on the interior is their center spot. And I just realized earlier on this pod, I kept on saying Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller uh, for the Rams. But no, I, I messed up. It's Jordan Fuller. Jordan Fuller, the safety, is slated to come back and play. I just wanted to uh, clarify that part because what I'm going to say now is what I meant to say. Okay, so Kyle Fuller is their second string center because they traded BJ Kinney to the Bengals earlier this year for Carlos Dunlap. Okay, so they had enough confidence in Kyle Fuller, their backup center, to trade away BJ Kinney to the Bengals. For I won't say for this moment, but lo and behold, Ethan Posick, who's been an underrated solid starter at the center position this year, but he's likely out this game, which means you're going to put a center that, well, 
if you look at it, I think he was like a swing tackle for the Texans in 2017. But he goes from a swing tackle to the starting center on Sunday. And he's going to be messed up against Aaron freaking Donald. Yeah, that could be really rough. That could be really rough. And so if I'm Russell Wilson and I, well, I know this Rams defense through and through. And I know in particular one particular player. Aaron Donald okay so I would be very worried about that and another thing too when the Seahawks have the football Chris Carson is out again um Carlos Hyde probably out and so you're gonna likely go back to that same set of running backs in Travis Homer and DJ Dallas and so they are a different football team when you don't when they don't have Chris Carson out of all the running backs they have, Chris Carson is the only one that can consistently get yards after the contact. They need a running back to really grind out those extra yardages on those situations. And, you know, Travis Homer, plenty of pop. DZ Dallas, a good, capable running back in his own right out the backfield. But, you know, their running game is going to be compromised. Um, how they scheme it up this time around, I'm going to be really intrigued. Uh, when I look at this Rams front seven, uh, while their backers are still, you know, up and coming between Kenny Young and Micah Kaiser, uh, I mean, still, uh, they still have Aaron Donald. They still have plenty of other guys on the defensive line. That front seven is is, is, a, is a decent group. Um, so, yeah, just, just keep that in mind. I think that, if anything, I don't think that they're really going to be running the ball anyways just because they haven't really been running the ball all year that effectively outside of Chris Carson. So Russell Wilson is probably going to have to cook again, which goes back to this Rams secondary. So Jordan Fuller, not Kyle Fuller, comes back. And so he will resume the starting safety role. I would still expect Taylor Rapp in these subset packages, but it does make you wonder too because, you know, they're going to be so pass heavy uh, between Lockett, Metcalf, a little bit of David Moore as well. You're going to see a lot of these dime packages. Okay, so how do they play these packages? Jalen Ramsey typically takes the center field position in that star role on Stokely's defense. So what are they going to do this time around? Are you going to have Jalen Ramsey shadow Metcalf? Are you going to put Damaris Randall more so on Lockett in the slots? Um, where is that role between Fuller, Rapp, and some of their other defensive backs? Are you going to see a lot of um, diamond nickel versus like your traditional sets? Uh, what do they have up their sleeves? Because obviously they've seen the film. They know that the Seahawks can certainly pass the rock very, very well. And more likely than not, that's what's going to be their key to success for this game, especially because they don't have a notable running game in Chris Carson. So what will happen what will happen conversely conversely so when the rams have the football mentioned before they, they obviously have some capable pass catchers between robert woods and cooper cup but i was hoping that they can get their tight end game going because these seahawks uh these linebackers they haven't been the same bobby wagner is great casey wright has lost a step um yeah, these linebackers, they've been okay in coverage. And so whether it's been Tyler Higby, who's been a bit of a disappointment lately, but between Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, I would like to see them more involved in the passing game. 
And if, um, you know, if the Seahawks continue to be a little bit blitz heavy, you should have some big time plays down the middle of the field if you can take advantage of that. Um, you know, outside of that, I hope that their run game, it's been a very solid run game between Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, a little bit of Cam Akers. But uh, obviously, I think against the Seattle defense, they should be able to run the ball as well and get them into some really good play action situations. Uh, Daryl Henderson comes into this game. He hasn't really been, oh, he's been a little hobbled this week. Um, he's been dealing with a leg injury. So I'll be intrigued to see how much of uh, Hendo we're going to see over Malcolm Brown. Maybe I'd like to see a little bit more Cam Akers off the bye week. But that's something to keep note of. Um, another thing to keep note of is just Jared Goff overall as the quarterback. So Jared Goff, he's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde. You can say that's about a lot of players, but notably Jared Goff. Jared Goff, when he has a clean jersey, he plays excellent complimentary football. Uh, he's really good when the run's established. He's really good in play action. He's mobile enough for stretch bootlegs to find those said tight ends that I mentioned before and, you know, make those throws on the run. But if you can get to Jared Goff quick and early, if you can give him a couple good hits, uh, he's a totally different quarterback. And you saw that uh, when they played the Niners a couple weeks back, and you've seen that earlier on this season. But Jared Goff, they need to find a way to um, keep him clean. Keep him clean and handle these blitzes. Because, like I mentioned before, the Seahawks, they don't have a good defense. But uh, what they did do against a lot of these teams, and you saw that against the Niners, for example, but they did a lot of you know, aggressive blitzes between Bobby Wagner and their safety, Jamal Adams. Uh, not necessarily what you'd like to do all the time, but because they're a little bit undermanned on talent, uh, that's what they're going to have to do from this point forward. But expect some blitzes every so often to try to get Jared Goff off his toes and into some turnover situations. So Jerry Goff needs to be wary. He needs to stay composed and play his game. Play his game because if he is able to maintain his accuracy and stay okay in the pocket, there's going to be plenty of opportunities because this Seattle secondary is not good. It's not good. Okay, so fast forward. Put that all into perspective. Vegas is suggesting a shootout at 54 and a half. And I don't see why not. Up to this point, it's a divisional game. McVay would love to put up some points. And I'm sure Russ Sol Wilson will continue to cook. But at the end of the day, um, it's a divisional game. And McVay has had his way the last couple of matchups. And so let's keep this a close one. Go ahead and give me the Rams 34, the Seahawks 31 in close field goal fashion. 34-31 Rams come out with the win. And if they do, they would tie the Seahawks for first place. That would be some drama. So, okay, week 10, that's how I see it. So I have the Cardinals overtaking the Bills, 31-27. to I have the Niners falling at the Big Easy, 30-21. to And I have the Rams making a really... Really convincing case against the Seahawks, 34-31. to Once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether you do that on iTunes or Spotify. Continue to check me out. Thank you so much. And I can also be found at Just the West V1 
via Twitter, at Just The West, via Instagram, and of course the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace. Peace.